Good morning. It's so wonderful to be here this morning to look out and see all of our faces here. We're before uh, we uh, start on our sermon, I just want to take a moment to. Uh, I know our, our thoughts are on the the nation of Ukraine, and and since the uh, fall of the uh, Soviet Union, since they gained their independence, been one of the most fertile grounds for the gospel. Uh, in the world, and so many missionaries have been there. I know a number of missionaries myself who have gone over there and and preached the word there. There are a lot of Christians in that nation, and so uh, we certainly want to keep them in our prayers uh, over what they are going through. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, one of the brethren was over there on a mission trip. Currently, uh, was in Ukraine. He is now in Poland right now, kind of avoiding the the invasion. He was able to get out. Uh, while he could. And so I uh, certainly want to keep uh, Brother Mark Posey in our prayers as well. And so uh, as we look at uh, warfare, our, the art of spiritual warfare, I'm reminded of a uh, quote that's written by a Chinese general by the name of, I'm probably going to say this wrong, but Sun Tzu, uh, probably from uh, the 1300s, if I remember correctly. Uh, and anyway, he wrote, so it is said that if you know your enemies and know yourself, you can win a hundred battles without a single loss. If you only know yourself but not your opponent, you may win or lose. If you know neither yourself nor your enemy, you will always endanger yourself. And so uh, Sun Tzu wrote this book known as The Art of War. And so uh, this is probably the most famous quote from that. Uh, He was concerned with carnal warfare, with carnal weapons and carnal warfare. But our weapons and our warfare against the devil are not carnal because the devil is not carnal. He is spiritual being. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 5, uh, here uh, Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience to Christ. And so uh, as we look here at this quote from Sun Tzu, I want us to to uh, apply this advice he gives in carnal warfare to our spiritual warfare. And so notice that the first thing he says here is that you must know your enemy. You know, if we're going to fight against the devil and his power, we must know who he is. And so who is the devil? What is the devil? You know, where does he come from? Is he eternal or is he not eternal? You know, he is not deity, so therefore he is not eternal. He is not an eternal being. He is not omniscient. He is not, uh, he is not um, omnipotent. He is not all-powerful. Uh, you know, when you read the creation accounts, you read nowhere is the devil mentioned in the creation account. We see him later in the garden, but in the creation he was not there. He is a super... Uh, So who is he? He is a supernatural being of some sort. 
He could appear with the angelic host. Notice, uh, open your Bibles to Job chapter 1. In verses 6 and 7, it says here, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before uh, the Lord. Uh, probably referring to the angels. And it says, And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And so he was, he is a, was, I don't know, a supernatural being who could appear with an angelic host. Maybe he still can, I don't know. At least in the time of Job, he, could, he still could. Uh, note that he could move between heaven and earth like the angels. Though he was supernatural, he is a created being. God created all things. All things uh, that were created by God were created good. In Genesis 1 verse 31, when God looked upon his creation, behold, it was very good. And so therefore, even the devil was created good. But the devil, apparently as we are, is given free will. And he chose to reject God. And so we can conclude from all this concerning his origin is that he is not a physical being. He is not eternal. He is not all-powerful. He's not all-knowing. And he, of his own free will, chose to rebel against God. And so that's who he is or what he is, what we know of him anyway. Uh, what is his motivation? Why does he do what he does? And I think he's motivated strictly by hatred. Hatred so extreme that it goes beyond our understanding. He hates God and he hates everything that God stands for. Again, remember, notice in Job chapter 1 and verse 7, God asks him, where have you been? He says, I've been down in my realm. I've been walking to and fro in the earth. You know, his realm is the material world. It could be said in a sense that he is the ruler of this material world and that the majority of people follow him, whether they know it or not. For this reason uh, is why we ought to hate worldliness. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, it tells us there, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Because it's his realm we're to hate the things of this world. According to Job 1.7, uh, also he is always on the move. Uh, again, the Lord said, where are you means I've been going about to and fro, up and down uh, in the world. He is always on the prowl. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, that's why we're told, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You'll notice uh, in, in the account in Job chapter 1 that the devil acknowledged the goodness of God. Notice verse 8. It says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect man, an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? 
For thou hast made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side. Thou hast blessed the works of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. And so notice that God, or that the devil acknowledges to God that you have done good. You have blessed this man beyond all others. Of course, God has said, this man is devoted to me beyond all others. And, and so, he said, but he's only devoted to you because you've blessed him so much. So he acknowledges that God had been very good to Job. But notice what he says in verse 11. He says, but put forth thine hand and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. You know, why did Satan want to destroy Job? What had Job done to Satan? You know, this was an unprovoked attack. He wanted to destroy him because God had blessed him. And he wanted to, to show to God that, well, if you don't, you take away your blessings, he will curse you. You know, despite God's power and goodness, he still had the audacity to challenge God. And so we see his mentality in here, the destruction for the sake of destruction. He wants to destroy, uh, not because for any other reason other than that he can. And so his mission, is ex or his motivation, is extreme hatred. What is his mission? His mission is murder. The murder of a soul. You know, his self-appointed mission is the death of every soul. He is going to uh, spend eternity in hell. And he wants to take you and me with him. He knows what is going to happen. He knows that, that hell has been prepared for him. Notice Matthew 25 verse 41. Then shall he, talking about God and the judgment, say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. The devil knows where he's going. And uh, there is no escape from it. And he wants to take you and me with him. He wants to murder us, spiritually speaking. And notice uh, his method. His method is the lie. You know, he is a liar who was a murderer from the beginning. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus, uh, talking to the, the Pharisees and scribes, he says, You are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. He was a murderer from the beginning. He murdered Adam and Eve, so to speak, with a lie. Now, they of their free will chose to believe that lie. But in effect, he murdered them. He killed them physically and spiritually. With lying promises, he uses our wants and our desires against us. In James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it says, uh, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. James 1, 14 and 15. Uh, notice also that he is a, a very subtle liar. Remember, uh, he, he told Eve, or he asked Eve, you know, why don't you eat some of this fruit? She said, well, if we eat it, we'll surely die. And remember what he said? You shall not surely die. Very subtle. 
That she ate the fruit. Did she die immediately? No, not physically. In fact, she lived on for hundreds more years. Along with Adam, they lived long lives. But they were dead spiritually the moment that they uh, sinned against God. For the wages of sin is death, and it always has been. And so uh, he is a subtle liar. His doctrines and that of his ministers appear uh, at times as coming from angels of light. 2 Corinthians 11, 14 and 15. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is of no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall uh, be according to their works. You know, one of the things that the devil always has done is he has twisted God's word. He has corrupted God's word and he's changed the meaning of things. And he's tried to convince people to go along with it. He is a subtle being. We must know our enemy. We know his origin. He is not eternal. He's not all powerful. He is not God or a God. Uh, we know his motivation is extreme hatred. We know his mission is simply the destruction of our souls. And his method is and always has been the lie. And so know your enemy. If we're going to win the battle, uh, we've got to know who we are fighting against. But also, uh, according to the advice of Sun Tzu, is that we must know ourselves. You know, it may sound strange that we don't know who we are in relation to the devil or in relation to God, for that matter. We will not be able to stand against the, the wiles of the devil. And so as a child of God, who am I? I'm one who has already overcome the devil. 1 John 2, 13 and 14 says, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the father. He's addressing people at every stage of their Christian walk. Uh, the, new, uh, the, the new one in Christ, the one who has been a Christian for a long time, and those that have been uh, you know, Christian for a very long time. He says, I've written unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I've written unto you young men, because you are strong, because uh, in the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. And so I, as a child of God, I have overcome the devil. Through Jesus Christ, we have won our personal victory against him. Now, this does not mean that I cannot still be lost. You know, many a soldier has been killed after the war has ended. You know, the Battle of New Orleans was fought in 1814, a few weeks after the treaty had already been signed in England. Uh, the war had already been won, the second war against the uh, Britain. Yet many American soldiers still died even after the war was over and had been won. The same can be true of us if we allow it. And so we need to know who we are. And in knowing who we are, we need to examine ourselves to know our weaknesses. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves, know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you. Except you be reprobates. And so we've got to know our weaknesses. How do we know our, where our weaknesses lie? And 
We need to examine ourselves, and when we do, we, we find where we are wrong, where we are off, where we are weak, and we work to build those things and to strengthen those things in those areas. You know, we grow spiritually in those areas through a study of God's Word. In Acts 20 and verse 32, Paul to the elders from Ephesus, he said, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up. And give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. And so we grow as we study and apply God's word. We look into the areas of our life where we are weakest. And we, we build strength in those areas. And so we've got to know our weaknesses. We also need to, to know and understand our strengths. You know, our strength lies in the fact that as free moral agents. We can resist him. And we must resist the devil. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so know our weaknesses, know our strengths. If we fail to understand our enemy, we may fall. If we fail to understand both our enemy and ourself, we will undoubtedly fall. And so notice we must know ourselves. We must know who we are. We are a child. We are children of God. I am a child of God who has overcome the devil. I need to know my weakness and identify my areas of weakness. And I need to grow in those areas. And then we need to know our strength. Our strength is in the Lord. He has given us free will. And he will not allow anyone to take us against our will from him. And so we've got to understand both ourselves and our enemy. There's another factor, though, that Sun Tzu left out. Is that we have an almighty God on our side. And so we must know our God. Know your God, who He is. Romans chapter 8, verse 31, uh, simply says, What shall we say then to these things if God before us who can be against us? You see, God is greater than the devil in all of his works. He is the creator, the sustainer of all things, both spiritual and material. Even the devil. Even though the devil still has influence, God has already beaten him. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. I believe this would include the devil. And so we know his strength. He has already overcome and destroyed the works of the devil. Uh, we need to know his strength. We need to know his word also, though. Without knowledge of his word, we're going to be destroyed. Hosea 4, 6 my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. And so uh, they were destroyed because they did not know God's word. If we don't know his word, uh, we can't use it to defend ourselves against the devil. His word uh, provides all things that we need in order to be fully engaged in our war with the devil. Second Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4. It says there, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us 
exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye may, might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so we must know God's word, which reveals to us God's promises. We need to know his promises. You know, he has promised a way to escape temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. He has promised us a way to escape temptation. The way to escape temptation is our free will. We cannot be overcome against our will. He has promised us deliverance from and forgiveness of sin when we stumble. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, it says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, forgive us our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God has promised us victory, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore... You know, based upon the victory that he has promised through Christ, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your work is not in vain, or your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Uh, he has promised to be with us to the end. Matthew 28 and verse 20, uh, Jesus told his disciples, He said, Lo, I am with you always. Even until the end of the world. You know, he's promised a crown of life, Revelation 2.10, and a crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 8. And so we need to remember his, know his promises, remember his promises. And so, know your God. Know his strength that it is greater than the devil. Know his word uh, which is sufficient for us. It gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. equips us to fight the war. And know His promise. Ultimately, His promise of victory. His promise of eternal life. You know, though we may lose some of the battles, we have a God whose mighty power will sustain us until the end of our part in this war with the devil. He will not, or He will, excuse me, He will deliver us from the power of Satan. He will not allow the devil to overcome those who are engaged in this spiritual warfare. Thus we have seen the preparatory steps needed to resist the devil. But just as no soldier goes straight into battle without first being prepared, going through boot camp and so forth, we cannot fight against the devil's power without first being prepared spiritually. The things we have observed and applied will prepare us for the fights. And so being prepared, we must be engaged in the warfare. We must be engaged in the fights. We must know how to fight. And so remembering who or what the devil is and his fatal limitations will encourage us in the struggle. Remembering who we are as children of God gives us a sense of purpose in our spiritual warfare. Remembering who God is will give us the strength and courage and the fortitude to carry the day. And so, uh, as we are engaged in this spiritual warfare, we need to rely upon God and His Word uh, to arm and protect us. 
Uh, open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Of course, we understand that we know this passage pretty well, mostly. Uh, the whole armor of God. He says, finally, my brethren, beginning in verse 10, put on the whole, or be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Remember, we talked about earlier that the Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. Notice, it is his might that we are putting on. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the word of God, uh, or and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And so we need to rely upon the power of His might. We've got to take upon us the whole armor of God. He says, having your loins girt about with truth. Truth which serves like a belt. It will hold our, uh, our life together with a sense of direction and purpose. Truth can free us from sin. John chapter 8 verse 32. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. We're to put on righteousness like a breastplate. Doing that which is good and right will guard our hearts and our emotions. Notice Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. Paul says, And be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And so righteousness guards us like a breastplate. He says, your feet shod with the gospel of peace. You know, the word of God, the gospel of peace is good news of peace with God. In Romans 10, 15, he said, how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And so we've got to have faith, which is our shield. Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so notice, uh, the, the word of God is our shield. Also, uh, it is our weapon. It is the sword of the spirits. And so we've got a, uh, also part of that uh, whole armor of God is salvation, which is like a helmet. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 8 says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. And then the sword, uh, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. It is our offensive weapon. 
Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us it's a very powerful one. It says there, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrows, and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. And then uh, he talks about, in verse 18, praying always with all prayer. You know, prayer is the means by which we remain watchful. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus taught that we must watch and pray lest you enter into temptation, Matthew 26 and verse 41. And so that is taking on the whole armor of God and thus armed, what do we do? James 4, 7 says that we are to submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He says draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, and ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves into the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. And so we're to submit ourselves to God. We are to humble ourselves before Him. We are to protect and to keep and guard our hearts. Notice Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Here he says, Guard or keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, let thy eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the paths of thy feet, let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left, remove thy foot from evil. You know, brethren, we are to, in our spiritual warfare, we are to give no place for the devil. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. And then we are to flee from sin and temptation. 1 Timothy chapter 6 uh, and verse 11 says, Flee also these things. Uh, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, uh, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on the eternal life where unto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And so we're to flee temptation. We're to fight that spiritual war. We're to lay hold on eternal life. And we're to never quit. We're to never let go. Don't you ever quit. And so the art of spiritual warfare is that we must eventually know how to fight. Remember who and what the devil is. He is a being that is less powerful than God. He is not able to overcome you unless you allow him to. And you need to remember to rely upon God and his word. And be engaged in that fight. Resist the devil. Knowing that he will flee from us. Today you can be an overcomer. Today you can be one that has overcome the devil by your obedience to God and his will. He has promised eternal life to those that are faithful to him. He has told us in his word how it is that we can be saved. If we believe that God is, we believe in his son Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins based upon that belief. We confess our belief, we repent of our sins, and we baptize to wash away our sins be cleansed and made holy to walk in newness of life and as a Christian then we must 
be engaged in this fight. They must fight to the end. Because we know that the promise of eternal life awaits those who overcome and continue to do so. Today, if you're here and you're not a Christian, we urge you to put on Christ in baptism to get involved in the fight. If you're here as one who is in the fight, but you've become a casualty. We're here to help you also to be restored to your spiritual health so that you can once more uh, join us in the battle. Tonight, if, or today, if you're here and you're subject to the invitation, so let us know by coming forward as together we stand and as we sing.